Welcome to the official podcast of the Canberra Raiders. Hopefully, off the Caesar. Now he puts a kick out. Croak is there against. Oh, Jared Croaker! What a catch by the skipper! Come join us as we go behind the limelight. Absolutely. Season 2019, welcome to the podcast, the official Canberra Raiders podcast. I'm Raider Nick. And like uh, the intro suggests, we mean business, we mean war. And joined by the Batman and Robin of the media group here at the Canberra Raiders, Mr. Ben Pollock and Tommy Logan. Gents, happy new year. How good is that intro? Welcome back, Raiders fans. We're joined behind the limelight, ready to go again for a big season. And I cannot wait for Sunday night. It's, it absolutely sucks that we're the last game of the round. But you know what? We'll wait and we'll keep the best for last. Absolutely. Tommy Logan, footy's back. Uh, how are you feeling, mate? How was your off-season? Oh, it was good, but uh, a bit too long. Uh, I just want the footy back, to be honest, and I'm glad it's back. It's finally here. And can we just fly up to the Gold Coast tonight and kick off now? We've got plenty to get through, of course, our brand new season of podcasts. We're going to have the captain, Jared Croker, joining us for our first guest for the year. And Benny, a special a special new segment, of course. It is 89 Grand Final, the 30th anniversary. We're going to talk about the whole Hall of Fame thing that uh, launched last week during the season launch. But we've got some special guests throughout the year. Yeah, special guests indeed. Uh, we're going to focus on that 1989 Premiership. We're going to try and speak to as many members of that squad, the coaching staff, anyone involved in the club during that time. We're going to focus on that for our segment at the back end of each podcast. So definitely worth sticking around for. I know we've got uh, one of the club stalwarts kicking things off this weekend, so I can't wait to hear uh, what he's got to say. Yes, being the first episode, let's do it, boys. Come join us as we go Behind, behind the Limelight. Right, before we kick off there, we mentioned, we touched on a season launch last week. It was a great one. How exciting. A Hall of Fame, of course, 12 of the 17 that were, that were involved in the 89 season, not per se just the game. It was an absolutely amazing uh, night and full credit goes to, um, first of all, Jason Matthew, who was the main driver behind the concept. He pushed this at board level. Um, something that we discussed internally for a while is that we needed to have uh, something in place and, and a few things happening in the background in terms of uh, the new development of Braddon, uh, giving us a place to house a Hall of Fame. Uh, it gives us an opportunity each year mid-season to have a bit of an event uh, where we can you know, showcase uh, the past uh, alongside the present and, and have some uh, inductions each year. And just to, to kick things off, we just thought it was uh, timely with the 30th year anniversary of the club to induct 14 members. Uh, so those people who were involved in the grand final that met the criteria um, alongside coach Tim Sheens um, all got inducted. And then um, mid-season we'll have another three inducted and then uh, each season going forward we'll, we'll keep adding to that list. So that criteria, Ben, exactly what is that? Well, it, it does vary. There's a number of different categories. Uh, from a playing perspective, you can be uh, somebody who's played a minimum of 50 games for the club, um, obviously achieved some uh, significant things within that time frame. Uh, as a coach, uh, somebody who's coached the club over a number of years, uh, I think it's another minimum of 50 games uh, in that position and, and some success achieved along the way and some contributions to the club. It's not all about on-field success. Right. It's also about the contributions that you make to the club. Uh, there's an administration category for people that have been involved for the club with uh, for 10-plus years and, and done some great work there. So there's scope to induct some people in that category going forward and also at a referee level if you're a referee from this region uh, who's gone on to excel uh, at a high level, then you can also be uh, included in the Hall of Fame. So at the season launch, I caught up with some of the inaugural inductees of the Canberra Raiders Hall of Fame. Mal, first of all, congratulations. We saw footage there, the 89 grand final. You spoke post-game 
best playing for Australia. You're a passionate Queensland man. Yeah. It meant so much to you, didn't it? I did. Um, you know, from a, being a Queenslander coming down into enemy territory, so to speak. But, you know, the Graders have been a fantastic club for me. Um, I think I made the right decision. I know I made the right decision coming down this way. Um, you know, playing in a great, a great club, great players. I had to find out the hard way, though. I guess, you know, you had to lead by example. And uh, I, did a, I did a tough early leading the side, but, um, you know, the players rallied around and you know, it was a great squad. Now, what does it mean to you now to be inducted in inaugural Hall of Fame here at the Raiders? Oh, it's a wonderful feeling. It's, um, it's humbling, you know. So I, I thought about it in recent times and um, I've got a lot to thank, you know, the Raiders for, you know, um, where I am today, really, you know. So, I mean, I, you know, I had to come, I come down here. Taking a calculated risk, I guess. You know, the McIntyre family were great. Um, the Ferner family were great um, coming down, making their transition from Queensland. And um, I'm very grateful. It must feel great to get inducted tonight with that kind of thing. Yeah, it does. I think Ricky's done a tremendous job connecting the past with the future. When you retire, it's amazing when you retire, you don't feel part of the club. But when you've sort of asked to come back, um, it feels special. And tonight, to stand up there in front of people that uh, we represented when we played and the future players for the Raiders team was, was great. You know, you feel like you're part of the club and you feel like you, you, you're wanted and you feel like you've, you've done something for the, the town. So if, for us, and I, I can speak on behalf of the boys, um, we're all excited. We're all very humble that we were able to uh, get this award tonight. Yeah, I think the club's grown. You know, we're a very young club, had a lot of success. We've got a... You know, we've got an immortal, we've got a number of Hall of Famers and um, players that people will talk about for uh, many, many years to come. And, and I just hope that this current squad of players that uh, we have now can reach their own little bit of history. Righto, gents, in my hot little hand we have the team sheet for the opener. The Canberra Raiders up against the Titans. Now the boys uh, travel up to Seabus Super Stadium. 6-10 six, six, local time up there. 5.10 local time up there to be exact, so 6.10 our time. You boys are travelling up on the Friday? Yeah, heading up there with the team on uh, Friday afternoon. Looking forward to the captain's run up there Saturday just to get the guys acclimatised the conditions. Um, you know, the benefit of training in the heat of the day during the pre-season is probably going to help us out here in round one as we head up and face a Gold Coast Titans team that faces one of our ex-players in Shannon Boyd yes. and a, a representative forward pack, Jared Wallace, uh, Jai Arrow, guys like that leading the charge for them. Um, experienced players Ryan James as well so and don't forget uh, Peachy coming off the bench He's that's right be they'll, be, they'll be definitely um, trying to go through the middle of us and obviously we've got a new look forward pack ourselves so it's going to be a big challenge we've gone from the heaviest forward pack to the lightest within a year Tommy Logan look it's always good to start your season off not just for yourself but for the fans for everyone involved for business but for the team they'll look to try and jag a win round one yeah look I'm quite confident about this weekend uh, mainly more so to the fact that we're going up against a very forward pack that, without too much game time practice, they might tire a bit late on. And I think having our lighter forward pack this year might serve us better towards the back end of this game. So I've got a really good feeling about this one. Speaking of the team that's run through, fullback is Charles Nicole. Clockstad will make his debut for the Canberra Raiders. Raider number... We don't know yet. We'll have to wait and see what order they take the field on the weekend because it does actually... Uh, make a difference to what uh, number you get. So yes. uh, with five, um, possibly six debutants in this team, uh, we'll allocate some Raiders number post-match because there could be some late tinkering with the team going into the game. Yep. So just got to make sure that you have it in the right order. Absolutely. Charles, Nicole Cox, Clockstadt will be the fullback. Nick Cottridge on one wing. Jared Croker returns. He's also the skipper with Joey Leilua in the centres. Bailey Simonson. Yeah, it makes his debut. You can tell us a little bit about him after this. Out of the halves, Jack Whiten goes into six with Aiden Caesar in the pack. Papali, 
Hodgson, of course, co-captain, Sia Soliola. The back rowers is Joe Tarpany and Elliot Whitehead. John Bateman makes his first grade debut for the Canberra Raiders as well. Hasn't played any trial games, but he comes in number 13. An extended bench. So 14, we've got Sevilla, Havili, Ryan Sutton, of course, making his debut as well. If he does get a play, Dynamis, Louie, and Corey Horsborough. If I have to pronounce Horsburgh. that one correctly, Horsborough. And, of course, extended bench, including Sam Williams, Jack Murchie, Lukey Bateman, and JJ Collins. Now, Benjamin... Let us know about this guy, this winger there, Bailey Simonson, named at five. Tell us a little bit about him. Yeah, he's got a background uh, in rugby league. He played some, actually, uh, junior rep footy for the Canberra Raiders back in uh, his uh, early days and then uh, had an opportunity to go over and play some rugby sevens in New Zealand and ended up playing for the New Zealand All Blacks uh, rugby seven side before making the switch back to rugby league. Uh, He played some football at the Bulldogs and then he joins us here now at the Raiders. Uh, He's an impressive athlete. Uh, He's got great footwork. Uh, probably showed in the trial games that he was ready for this occasion if uh, was selected. And, and I thought he played his best footy in the trials when he was on the wing. Had an opportunity at fullback in the first trial. Um, but wing looks like a position that he can really suit. Now, Tommy Logan, a lot of the, the hype around the, the off-season was a signing, or a late signing of Chance. Clockstad, everyone's uh, thinking he's going to be one of those guys that could be a bit of a crowd favourite there at number one. Plenty of freedom. He looks the goods, mate. Yeah, he certainly does. Uh, obviously, he's come over from the Warriors where he's behind Ken Mamalo and David Fusitur and Roger Tuovasashek. So, obviously, it's going to be pretty hard to break into that back line. But I think Chance will uh, surprise quite a few fans this year and he'll be a really good acquisition for us. I love it. He's a real goer. Yeah. He, he's involved in everything and he doesn't stop. He's he's moving from both sides of the field. He likes to get his uh, hands on the footy. Um, and as a fullback, you need to do plenty of miles in the legs during a game. Uh, probably haven't seen the best of him yet. The trial games, obviously, he only been at the club for a couple of weeks when he played his first trial. I think it was a week when he played his yeah. first trial. So a month on, um, training with the guys full-time for that period, I think we'll see the best of him as the year progresses. Yeah. But excited about what he can bring. Yeah, and he's settled in very well uh, in oh, such absolutely. a sh- short space of time. And from what I've seen of him out on the training paddock, he's very vocal. And like Bailey, he's quite a good athlete as well. So I think that'll be really exciting to see him on Sunday. We've got a great little uh, multicultural bunch of group boys here now. We've got a bunch of New Zealand boys. We've got a nice good packet of Englishmen. Wow, the Raiders. Talk about our multicultural festival. That's right. Talk about the English. So uh, all eyes on John Bateman this weekend. Yeah. I think uh, he's a player that comes into this side uh, with a fairly handy resume. Uh, was a premiership winning player at Wigan last year in the final of the Man of Steel. We've seen what he can do at international level, so we know that he holds up against top quality opposition. So, like, I'm really looking forward to seeing him play. Uh, and Ryan Sutton on the bench as well. He's a he's a guy that comes with over 100 games of first grade experience. He's only still in his early 20s, um, but here he is getting a chance to to potentially make an NRL debut this weekend. Let's do our Raiders prediction for this week. For myself, I'm thinking uh, Jack Whitener at number six. Two tries from him. Yeah, I think uh, John Bateman's probably going to grab a try on his debut. Uh, I think he'll he'll bag one and maybe even Bailey on the wing. John Bateman to get into some sort of scuffle with one of the Titans forwards. Well, I keep hearing he's really aggressive. I don't think he'll throw any punches because he won't want to find himself in the sin bin, but he won't take a backward step. And I think the Titans forwards will probably try and niggle him a little bit and he'll be up for the challenge. And look out for Elliot Whitehead coming over his right shoulder if it does happen a cue for Channel Boyd to come out and to upset some of the forwards. Well, the Titans have a massive a forward. Well, the Titans have a massive forward pack, but that definitely does not phase someone like a John Bateman. He's used to batting far above, above his average when it comes to weight-wise matchups, but yeah, oh, he's the engine room. Benny, you've got us excited, mate. Three, two, 
in the back of the spine rising there and the man the skipper Jared Croker how you going mate good mate how are you not too bad mate you love your music yeah I don't mind it don't mind it mate, oh, mate we know you love Keith Urban you're Keith a good Urban, mate with him Keith Urban mate is there something that you listen to post game or on the way to the ground and get that you know that, get the endorphins flowing get the uh, he's always listening to tap radio sky, sky racing <laughs> just <laughs> behind, behind the sides of racing nah not really what's mate. on your iPhone if, iPad mate, mate if I put an iPad on uh, or iPhone um Probably going to sleep if I, I get to room by myself most of the time, so I'm which is good. I enjoy um, putting the music on and um, having a bit of. I just put a, a Keith Urban playlist on, mate. Two captains now, so does that yeah. mean you get your own room each, or do you I, do you have to room together? No, I think Josh Hodjo and um, Jacko are just religious roomies. They love each other. They roomies all the time, so I'm pretty sure they'll just stay the same. They're pretty okay. well in their routine, so it worked out pretty well for me. Yeah, a few changes obviously with the the, the two captains. How'd you find the transition uh, going into the preseason and? Uh, how's it all shaping up for round one? Yeah, look, it's all going well, mate. It's um, and to be honest, Benny, not not a lot's changed. Um, you know, it's pretty much um, deciding who's going to toss the coin at the start of the game. I think. Yeah, you know, we'll, we'll toss the coin. Well, <laughs> we we worked out. I think we're going to just whoever starts. They keep going until they lose, then you swap over again. So that's all we're going to do. I think. We'll, oh, we'll play it like what that. about on field calls? Who's do um, you get to overcall, or is it you, or is it? Oh Hodjo? no, it's it's probably just. You know, I'm because I'm out wide, and Hodjo's always in the middle there. He's pretty close to the ref, so mate, whoever's closest or um, feels like they need to go talk to the ref, will go talk to the ref. Hodjo's always in there and and talking to the refs anyway. So mate, like I said, not a lot has changed apart from Hodjo growing um, an extra leg, probably as a leader and as a player, hopefully, and um, that's about the only difference. Mate. And obviously, if there's a, a shot in range for two points, you being the kicker, yeah, that's all you, obviously. Yeah, well, mate, it, it's. Um, yeah, look, a lot like, of that comes from the bench anyway. A lot, of, think, a lot yeah. of it probably comes from the coaches or, or just game scenarios, mate. If it's an obvious two-point opportunity and, um, you know, Hodge will probably point without me ever knowing anyway. So, um, yeah, look, it's it's pretty straightforward, to be honest. You must be happy that the pre-season's done and dusted again for another season. We all know how long and arduous it is and you guys can get back into a bit of routine now with some week-to-week stuff. Yeah, for sure, mate. It's um, you know, They seem to be getting longer and longer as you get older and older. I've been through a few now and... Um, you know they're all they're all tough they're all physical they're all like you said arduous but um, look the boys are all stoked we you know you come in hasn't been a good Monday as it was yesterday for a long time everyone comes in uh, Monday morning now and they're not getting flogged all week it's um, it's pretty exciting to, to be um, you know preparing for a game of footy hard one for you but also a rewarding one for you personally missing the, the back end of last season with that injury you must be absolutely itching to get out there I think it was around around 19 or something like that last year that you played your last game. So it's been a while since you've had the opportunity to, to hit the field for an NRL fixture. Yeah, definitely. Um, I've had a an extra bla- uh, break, I suppose. It's um, you know it's something that I was never, I've, I've never been used to. I've never ever missed any footy or you know that that amount of time. I think the most games I've ever missed was one or two games. You know, even as a kid, so um, to miss the last seven or eight games, I think it was was um, pretty disappointing. But at the same time, I've um, you know, had a had a bit of a fresh, very much a freshen up. Uh, the body's right, the knees right. Um, you know, I've, I was fortunate enough there to um, be able to do a lot of work in the gym as well. While I was obviously um, uh, not out on the field, I was I was doing a lot of extra gym work and um, managed to put a little bit of weight on. It sort of started to to fall back away again now as it's getting longer and longer and probably closer to game time. But I was managed to sort of put a little bit of weight on there and. Um, you know, hold that as well. So uh, that's probably another positive as well as the freshen up and, and being itching to go. 
Whose task is it to put a hit on Big Boyd uh, within the first few minutes of the game? <laughs> Not mine, I know that. <laughs> um, Has anyone spoken to him during the week? No, I haven't. I haven't. Um, I'm trying to avoid him for the, for the time being, but um, no, avoid I haven't, the haven't, void. haven't spoken to the big pig for a little while, a couple of weeks now, but um, yeah, look, I'm sure he's going well up there. He's going to be just as hungry as we are, and um, you know, if there's anyone going to line him up, I'm hoping it's Papa, but um, look, Boyd, he's a quality player. Um, you know, we're just going to have to, we know he's going to be fired up and ready to rip into us. It's just about how well we contain him and how well we manage him. And, um, you know, he's, he's obviously a big boy, so hopefully make him work pretty well in defence. So yeah, he could. moves on, uh, moves on. We've lost obviously Junior Paulo. We've gone from the, you've gone from the heaviest pack to the lightest pack. Recruited some new guys in there as well. We've spoken about the British boys at the start of the year. Could you tell us a bit about Bailey, named on the wing there? Uh, obviously, he's going to play outside yourself or outside BJ. Outside BJ, mate. Yep. Yeah, yeah. He was. Um, he'll fiddle in for. Um, obviously, where rapper normally is, and um, you know, Aldi's not not quite right there at the moment. So Bailey gets his chance. He's impressed in the preseason. He's he's very much like a Nick Cotrick. He's very athletic. He's very you know very well built compared to the you know the rest of the boys. They're they're pretty um, you know they're pretty pretty big athletes. It's um, you know and he's he's uh, played a lot of union before. He's um, so he's come over there and he's very raw, very strong, very powerful. Um, he actually come around and. Played on my wing for a little bit in the trial game when Nicky went off for a, a breather and made he spoke really well. His um, his talk, his energy was you know very understanding of the game. So I'm sure having BJ there inside him and, and Aiden Caesar is going to be um, you know pretty you know pretty helpful for him. But I'm excited to see how he goes outside of Bailey. Uh, I suppose the bolter, if you want to call him that, for the the 17 for the first game is Corey Horsburgh. Uh, big red. Big He's red. um he was really impressive in the trial games and probably forced Ricky um to pick him in the way that he performed in those games and tell us a bit about him and and how he's evolved over the preseason. Yeah, I think he he um like you said he he kicked literally kicked the door down to get in the side, but most people probably wouldn't have thought even before the trial games. You know, he's we we could tell he was going to be a first grade footballer, and at some stage we thought he was going to play football this year, uh, first grade football this year. But um, mate, the way he's come out and played in the trial games, he's really kicked the door down. He's he's had to work very hard to um, you know get nice and fit and strong in the um, in the off season uh, in the preseason, and um, now he's taking that opportunity with both hands, and um, it really it's really pleasing to see the depth that we've got. You see, uh, Luke Bateman, Emre Gula, guys, Royce Hunt that have played NRL before that um, you know Corey's pushed his way in front of him or. You know, like I said, kick the door down and, and have that depth and that headache to pick from on the bench is um, you know, really pleasing and probably something we haven't had for a couple, you know, two or three years now. We speak about uh, depth there, too, and you know your coach, he prides himself on having a team with the people competing for spots. Do you feel that at the start of the year where like, no one's comfortable, no one's guaranteed a spot? And that picking Corey there, that just, it just shows how transparent it is. He's like, if you're, you know, blokes like Luke Bateman, he might miss out this week. You know, it's just the game of rugby league. Yeah. Do you feel that? Do you feel the competition? Does it get a little bit, I won't say the word personal because it's such a team sport, but do you feel, geez, I've got to really step up here because I might. Yeah, that, it, it, for sure, mate. And that's exactly what Ricky speaks about. Yeah, and, and all teams need it. All teams, you know, no one goes through a season and plays the same 17 players. Um, you need 20 to 25 blokes for a squad. Um, and you need that depth and those blokes pushing to play first grade. You need you need first graders playing mm. uh, playing reserve grade. I mean, um, whoever misses out on the weekend, you're going to have you know, four, five, six first graders playing for the Mounties. So that's the competition for spots we need, and um, you know it's it's very healthy to have. Outside of the new recruits um, that we've touched on, um, John Bateman, Ryan Sutton, Chance, Nickel, Clockstad, all there as well. But uh, 
the big change for the team has been the shift in the halves. We've seen Jack White now partnering Aiden Caesar. Uh, how's that been for you? I saw in the trial games you guys were able to build a bit of a combination there. Are you in, excited about what Jack brings? Yeah, I am, mate. I am. Um, I, I had faith in it from from day one. I knew Jack could play in the halves. I knew how skillful he was, and um, you know if, if he's doing that. You know, that I guess that second man sweep option, it's not a lot different to fullback. And we seen in the trial game, he threw two nice cutout balls to Nick to, to put him over from the, in the corner. Um, and, mate, his most powerful thing is going to be his running game. Uh, mm. He's 97 or 8 kilos, Jacko. He's um, you know, ripped to the bone and, and fast. He's um, he's going to be a handful for the defensive side. And then on, on our side, defensively, um, you know, he brings out aggression and that line speed and that, that um, I guess, size in the halves. I, I think he'll, he'll probably be the biggest... Five, or I think he's half. the biggest half in the competition be, based on his size. Yeah. There, yeah. Well, the Raiders have kind of tried to. It has been a luxury all the time, but you know, pride themselves on having a big six. You know, we've had obviously the Laurie Dalys of the world, the Terry Campese. We had Austin last week, last year. Sorry, obviously defense is a big one at six as well to kind of you know to can't be too much of a liability. Yeah, Whereas yeah. I think if you look up and you see a, a half and you're you're edge forward, you're looking for that half absolutely. to target. But you probably. Going to get a bit more traffic at you, Jared, with Jack inside. You've got to get past Jack first, mate. <laughs> but Jack is the kind of guy where defence will go, I don't run at Jack because he's a really strong yeah, well, defender. That, and yeah. that's probably his best attribute in his game. Yeah, Jared, sure. you'd agree that probably his biggest transition for him will be his decision making in that role. Obviously, playing fullbacks a bit different than defending in the front line. We know he can tackle, but it's all about that defensive decision that he, that he needs yeah, to get right. It's something we worked a lot on in, def- in, in the preseason, um, you know, that def- defensive cohesion. And um, look, I've enjoyed it. The good thing for Jacko is he's, um, you know, probably with the left edge, you're probably looking at myself and, and Elliot Whitehead either side yep. of him, all really good mates, played a lot of footy together. I've played played a lot of footy with Jack over a lot of, you know, a long period of time. We know each other really well. Um, we, and, and having someone like Elliot inside you is, um, you nearly you know, there's not many others you want inside uh, defending inside you there. He's um, you know he works tirelessly. He always shows up. He never misses a beat, and and that's only going to help Jacko. And um, the good thing for Jacko is he knows if he makes a decision, then um, you know he's got me and Nico following him in. Just on that too, what well, we saw Jacko going through the twenties, and he, he possessed all those skills, the kicking game, uh, there's decision making and attack. They had that trial there when Ricky first came to the club when he partnered Campo in the halves. I think now he's the kind of guy you mentioned, possess those skills. You see all that stuff at training, what he does, but bringing it to the game. And if he gets that, finds himself, grows into himself, into his ability and brings it week to week, that's going to be a massive asset. That could be the thing that we didn't speak about too much. And then go, wow, look what we've got here yeah. at six. He, um, you know, like you said, they, they tried Jacko there a couple of years ago. And like, you know, it was, wasn't that it failed. It just probably wasn't the right, right time for the team. Um, Jacko's 20. What six years old now or something? Twenty seven years old or twenty six or something, and he's he's pushing up on one fifty NRL games. Um, you know he's really he nailed down that fullback spot, and now the, he's just going to have to move forward and, and adjust to the to the six role. But um, you know I think he's more mature physically and mentally to play in the halves. And um, like you said, he's got all the all the skill and all the assets to play there, and, and he's definitely got the the aggression in defence. Talk about can't big wait. halves back then. Exactly right. Camp over there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, know. I, I, I can't man. wait. Not Camp too far over. along. Exactly. <laughs> Not too far along. Uh, Sunday night, 6 o'clock our time, uh, it's a big game. You know, they're all big games, but uh, the first one of the season seems to hold a little bit extra. Good luck up there, mate. We hope you come back with the two points and uh, get the season off to a good start. Beautiful. Thanks, boys. Thanks, Stuart. Go, skip a
Celebrating the 30th anniversary of the Green Machine's epic 1989 Grand Final victory. Yes, indeed we are. 30th anniversary of the mighty Grand Final victory from 1989. And this segment's all about catching up with people involved, not just in the Premiership win on Grand Final Day, but people involved throughout the year. Now, there was a man quite instrumental in that win, but quite instrumental in in changing the momentum, of course, the Tigers had all the ascendancy in the early in that first half, and it took a play from an experienced Dean Lance to run out of the line and place a hit on that international front row at the time, Steve Blocker-Roach, turned the team around and uh, gave the Raiders a lift that day. A very important part that changed uh, what was to be a wonderful win for our mighty green machine. The best grand final ever, they say. And I believe them. Sit back and relax. I caught up with Dean Lance uh, during the week. Dean Lance. G'day, Nick. How are you? Mate, I'm great, of course. Let's first off, congratulations for being inducted in the uh, inaugural Canberra Raiders Hall of Fame last week. Yeah, that was a uh, great honour, mate. I was very... uh very honoured to be up there on that stage with um, with the such array of talent that this club was produced and and played with. So uh, yeah, very honoured to be up there with uh, you know with those guys. Of course, the '87 Grand Final, you came out and coined the phrase "Canberra now has a soul." What inspired that? Well, I think I was just thinking about that question after I spoke to you, and I, we, we got beaten in the Grand Final, but. Um, from the year before when we, we were right down the bottom of the table to 87 to, to actually make a grand final and the whole town got behind us and uh, we probably played our game a little early and got all excited mm. a little early during the week but what it did show is the, the whole town got behind us and, and proved that uh, they loved the club, they loved the team and, uh, and, and they had a soul, they had a, they had a feeling and a, and a good vibe about the whole place so that, that sort of spurred me to say that, and I, I really believe it and still do. Fast forward to 89, of course. That year, Dino, you were captain that year, and uh, in all due respect, it was taken away from you, and everyone knows that it was probably because you were kind of winding up in your career. Was that a conversation you had with Tim mid-season? Yeah, it was, mate. Um, coming to 89 a little bit uh, heavier than I wanted to be. I'm, I was a big uh, 93 kilos, probably <laughs> put a couple of kilos on trying to uh, add a bit of weight to my body, and... Um, just found it a little bit difficult to get around the track at that weight, and uh, I was dropped. There wasn't uh, any other reason. Tim come and spoke to me, and uh, I played four reserve grade games early in that year, in 1989, and luckily I got my head around my body and um, trained hard and got back in the side when when I think the State of Origin was on and um, come back in as captain again, and when the boys come back from State of Origin, I stayed there, thank God. And What was the feel like towards the back end of the, the season there where you guys put on nine straight to get there? But once you got there, you guys were really comfortable on the big stage. You handled all the teams ahead of you all through the final series. Yeah, that's a, probably a big call, mate. It was probably a true call, actually. Uh, I remember our game in Perth. We beat the Bulldogs in Perth, and that was the first of the... The nine, I think we had to win to, to make it. But mm. Yet, nobody told us all through that that, yeah, you have to win nine to get to a grand final. It was like, you have to win this week and then you've got to, you know, we've got to, we've got to try and win next week and we've got to try and win the week after. And, you know, it was really just a, you know, one week at a, you know, the old, the old saying, one week at a time. And we sort of rolled through them and another one bites the dust sort of thing. And away we went. Mm. And, uh, Next minute, we're in the semi-finals, and as you said, feeling pretty comfortable because we'd 87, we'd been there and got beat. 88, we were good enough to get there, and uh, 89 was pretty much a combination. All the all these all the uh, 
the, the media predictions were, uh, were certainly with Balmain. They had a great side, um, and we had a you know we had a pretty good side as well. But um, we we're very confident going into the game, mate. And uh, I remember 12-2. I think at half time, um, Shinji was really controlled at half time and very confident in in our ability to get back into the game. Um, and we just went out there in the second half and played uh, you know every minute, every minute every minute and every tackle sort of mm. thing. And, you know, it, it was just inevitable. You just felt like it was, here we go, we're going to be right, we'll get there, we'll get there, we'll get there. A minute and a half before full-time, kick a score to try and now kick the goal. We got there, 14 all, and, you know, felt like the momentum had maybe turned a bit for us. So uh, it was good. That hit where you come out on the line and, and took one for the team and, and you lay that foundation and you can tell the likes of Steve Walters, uh, Big Lazo and Toddy just said they lifted when they saw Lance doing that for us. It's an infamous yeah. hit there. What did Blocker say to you there when you were standing there at Marker? Yeah, well, I was sort of standing over him when I, when I went, geez, it, was, it didn't hurt anything. I don't think it hurt him either. It was all sort of a timing thing. And, I, and he said, uh, that was a good one, Dino. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, I said, oh, there's plenty more where that come from, Blocker. <laughs> and he laughed it off and, uh, and away we went. But the boys soon, yeah, all the boys are happy to say that it was, was a little turning point in the game because they, they had a little bit of momentum. Mm. Benny Elias was getting him away from dummy half and he was going one way and coming the other and doing this and that and I just read the play and uh, yeah, we're lucky enough to come in across, out of my line across a couple of players and, and, and make the hit so yeah, it was good. Did you go into the game planning to retire? Yeah um, went into the 89 grand final thinking that was going to be my last game and uh, did the lap of honour after it and got chaired off the ground on belly ache and Ashley Gilbert's shoulders thinking it was my last game and a few weeks later after it all died down after we'd been to England and you know played the world club championship and having a think about it um I thought well I'm only 30 and you're a long long time retired and had a talk to John McIntyre and and decided to go one more time which was uh, probably one of the better things I've done as a 31 year old back rower in those days with a pretty good team around you I didn't I, I knew my role and it wasn't to do anything more than my role. And um, and I was, as I said, I was very fit. Got through all the games. And, uh, you know, I think I played more game time in 90 than I did in any other season I played. So I was very proud to be part of a great club. What yep. did, looking back now, what did the Canberra Raiders mean to you? First of all, when I, I was uh, I was at Newtown, and I was the last captain of Newtown, the Canberra Raiders meant to me a lifeline. <laughs> um, and I was happy to, you know, move from Sydney back into the country situation. But... Very much a, a huge part of my life. We spent 13 years in Canberra. You know, I've played in three grand finals and uh, won two of them. And they mean to me everything, basically. Uh, coined the phrase of uh, the Raiders, you know, the Canberra has a soul. The other, the other thing I said once in an interview, which John McIntyre was very happy with, was that you know, the Raiders, we're not just a, a footy club. You know, it's a way of life. Speaking of a way of life there, Dean, you're a part of the 1989 grand final, which is recently announced... The best grand final of all time, what one thing have you taken out of that game that you've now applied and you use today? It's a good question. I think one of the things that I did take out of the game was if you just keep plugging away at something, you can take all the adversity you want, but if you just keep plugging away at something that you believe in, it'll come for you and and it will work. And, uh, you know, I've had a fair bit of adversity after that, left the Raiders and went to the Perth Reds and coached the Super League and then, you know, News Limited pulled the funding on the Reds and then I went to Adelaide and then pulled the funding on Adelaide and then 
end up coaching in England and just kept plugging away at my, my, my trade and things come to you if you uh, if you persist, honourable of what you're doing and just keep working hard and I think that's what we were as a team. We liked each other's company, we, we certainly trusted in each other, we believed in each other and we just kept plugging away and I'd love to have that feeling in more, you know, in, in your lifestyle, I think that's an important thing to have but you know, you just got to keep plugging away and be honest with yourself and believe in what you're doing and, and life will be good. Definitely a massive part of that success for the Raiders. Dean Lance, thank you very much for joining us on the Behind the Limelight podcast. It's a pleasure, Nick, and uh, it's a great thing you guys are doing. And we've had a bit to do with each player um, over those, you know, over the last six months, and they've got some great attitudes going into the 2019 season. And Stick's doing a great job there, and uh, let's hope that they can have the success that we did because they certainly deserve it. They're working hard. Great to be part of that club, and I appreciate what you're doing. Thank you. Mm-hmm.